What do they say about this hellhole again? To shower, you scrub your ass with sand, my lord. That's what they say. That's what they say. And here we go. It's the comic, 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 comic book book. Man, you come right out of a comic book. Welcome back to the Comic Book Bullies for Nerds New Bully. Me host Leroy, aka the Hand That Rocks the Cradle, uh, with my co-host. Yeah, this is Eli, aka Spice Boy. Oh, I didn't think of that. I was thinking of something, but I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're back with another episode. And yeah, like I said, we know a bunch of stuff happened this week. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, a lot of stuff in the news. We're not gonna touch that because if we did, we'd have like a four-hour show, which even we won't even watch that. So why even talk about that? So we're just going to just hit, get down to the nitty gritty and talk about what everybody wants to talk about this week. Uh, Doom. So we're going to do a full Doom review. And you actually got two point of views from Doom because you got one guy that has no idea what this is. I I maybe saw a photo or a picture of about some sand and that's it. And then you got the, the Ubermensch. I may be saying it wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, the person that knows everything about Doom, so we're going to go with Doomsbury that. over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, we always got to do our annual Halloween do's and don'ts. Now, the thing is, Eli, I think we missed last year. Did because we? we may or may not. I can't remember if we did. Oh, that's not, right. I was on, I was traveling back from Washington last, like on Halloween or something, wasn't I? Or something, something like that. Okay. So we didn't even do a show that week. Okay. So that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Uh, let's go ahead and start there. So we didn't do a show last year with Halloween News and Don't, but every other year we did it. Uh, you got always got people asking me, you know, Libra, what you going to dress up as this year? Look, we're still recovering from a pandemic. I wear a mask every fucking day. <laughs> I'm not wearing one <laughs> on Halloween. So you can just cancel that. I'm not I'm not doing that. But the thing is with Halloween is that we know what the real spirit of Halloween is. And when all boils down to it, it's about women wearing slutty cosplay. That's what it's about. You know? basically yeah yeah so uh i tried to find that that megan the stallion one eli i think i forgot to upload it but whatever like that but you you saw it the the, the pinhead the centibite yeah that's why i, I had to represent i'm where i did shout out to megan right <laughs> i think she become i think that's your celebrity crush eli i think i think she's growing on because first she said she likes anime you know now she's uh cosplaying as pinhead you know so yeah. The only uh, time I'm ever gonna jerk off to a pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> never say last time. Never <laughs> Just thought, say first never time. Thought, never thought it would happen, but here I am. Never say never, <laughs> Jake Fisher. Exactly, Jake Fisher. That's the only thing we like, you know, because girls uh dressing up as uh, you know, they're just wearing like a mouse on their head, like with lingerie and shit like that. What are you? I'm a mouse. Like, what do you see those ears? You know, whatever. Nobody's looking at the ears when you got boom, boom, boom going on. But we gotta talk about what to do and what not to do now the thing is a lot of people already started their halloween party uh cosplay parties or halloween parties even though halloween technically is next week but technically let's talk about what we always talk about because like i said eli we got to do our due diligence because if we don't do it you know that's on you if you don't do it so the first thing 
I'm going to say my part of it. First thing, if you do dress up as a black character, that is okay if you're not black. But do not wear blackface. That's the main thing. Don't wear blackface. You want to dress up as Luke Cage? You want to dress up as uh, T'Challa? T'Challa Star-Lord? Most people doing that. That's cool. But why would you dress up as T'Challa Star-Lord if you're not black when you just dress up as Star-Lord? I don't get that, but <laughs> whatever. But the main thing is don't dress up. Don't wear blackface. That's all. Luke Cage with the afro, I will, I'm going to say no. I'm going to put like this. If you got to think about it, just don't do it. You know, but uh, what, what you got there, Eli? Oh, well, it's, it's you know, being me, being native. Yeah, it's it's uh, Halloween is a uh, conflicting. I love Halloween because I'm into horror, but also I hate Halloween because I deal with ignorance. So, yeah, don't dress up as an Indian or a don't native do or you don't, just don't do it. I mean, there's native, Sex. you know, hey, we're, we're coming out with, uh, you know, it's been a big year for native representation with reservation dogs and uh, uh, Rutherford Falls and blood quantum and all that stuff. So you can dress up as any of those characters, but right. don't put a headdress on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. And that's the thing, like I said, Jay Fisher, Black, Fan Black Panther, I've seen plenty of white kids out there dressing up as Black Panther. Not a big deal. Not a problem. Just don't paint their faces. That's all. It's, it's, it's not, we're not asking for a lot. Just don't do that. And you're good. You're okay. You know. Yeah, um, I saw, I saw yeah. uh, a couple years ago, I saw a girl post a picture. She was cosplaying as Carrie from uh, Legion. Um, Carrie was Carrie and Carrie. They were the two people, the 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 native chick that lived inside the old man's body, and mm -hmm. he would she would come out and kick ass and shit. Well, she dressed up as her, you know, and just wore her uniform, and that's it. She's a native character on this show. This non-native woman dressed up as her, and it was cool because she wasn't wearing fucking feathers or buckskin or any of that shit. She was just dressing up as how this character dressed up on the show, and it was dope. I was like, hell, hell, that, that, that's how you do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I said, this media thing is a, a a big part of it because the more representation we all get in media, the more we can, you know, understand each other's cultures. You know, uh, if all you see on TV with natives is just you know Tonto and that's it, then that's your or Zach Morris in a headdress. You know, that's what your expectation is going to be. But now we're seeing more representation. Your you know opinions might change. So, and I know there's all the bunch of you know native or non-native folk who. Get all like, oh, we're not allowed to do to, to have. I thought this was America and it's freedom and all. <laughs> they act like the, 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 the oppression fantasy. Just cut the shit. Right. Just don't do it. <laughs> or and do it. Don't do do it and then see what happens. You know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If you, freedom if of speech up, or, or or freedom yeah. to do whatever you want to do is not freedom of consequence. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't bitch when someone calls you out on it or someone throws something at your head. You know. Right. Like you play yeah. stupid games, you win stupid prizes, you know. Yeah, you know, you dress up as a native, but you know you're not gonna go to the res doing that shit. Right. <laughs> don't, don't yeah, don't go trick-or-treating on the res. You know you're not gonna do that. So right. Or you know you you're do doing something wrong. Right. Or you, you are dressing up as blackface, you know, in Black Panther, you know, feel free to walk down West Jackson doing that. You know, they would love to see you do that. So yeah. All right. So that means let's move on to the next part of the podcast. Let's jump into it because we're going to talk about the good stuff, the stuff you want to talk about, the stuff you've been talking about the whole time. And that's been getting some good traction ever since you've been talking about it. So uh, before we get there, I'm going to give you like a whole, I, I see you're getting your notes ready. That's cool. Uh, yeah, um, okay. <laughs> but before we get there, hold, hold your horses, hold your horses. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I see the show. 
Uh, but yeah, give it to me. What is the number one movie of the week? It's got to be Dune, right? Did it, did it actually do good? Are we going to get a sequel? Did. <laughs> it, it, it did. Okay, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that Dune is the number one movie of the week. And uh, this is the highest grossing weekend of any HBO Max movie. So that's pretty good. So it actually did pretty good. It did 40 million, you know, not Venom. Venom did twice as much, but that's Venom, whatever like that. But as far as expectations of what, you know, uh, they've been doing so far versus what they're doing now, that's pretty good. Like I said, doing the highest grossing HBO Max movie this week at the theaters. Um, and the thing is with what Warner Brothers said is that they're not just going just by the, uh, the theater, the box office numbers. They're also taking into consideration HBO Max also because HBO Max, uh, that's what they're pushing right now. They're using Dune to push HBO Max. So if it does go to HBO Max, then you know they're going to give them a good chance to do uh, Dune sequel also. Which why they signed up for this movie to not do a sequel, I don't know why they would do something like that. Just but it is Warner Brothers. This is kind of what they do. Don't put anything past Warner Brothers. But for for the most part. The movie's been getting good reactions. I've been on Twitter. I've been monitoring the chatter. And for the most part, it's been positive reaction for it. So why they wouldn't make a sequel, I don't know why they wouldn't. You know, but like I said, but that's just what the uh, fan reactions are going on right now. So Eli, like I said, this is this is your baby. You've been talking about doing actually for the entire year. <laughs> so this is your chance that I have, I have no idea what you thought about this movie as a movie, you know. But I'm gonna give you a chance to just go nuts, go wild, do 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 what you will. You know what? I want to know what you think. You want to know what I I've think? Been, I I've been talking about this shit for a year. What? Okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so what do you think? You're you're the noob. You're not familiar with the with the story okay. or the universe. What do you think going into this? What did you think? Of uh, see, I didn't want I didn't want to I didn't want to change the mood, Eli. I know you was on this high. <laughs> you were just like. Oh. You never know. You never know. I mean, because you know, I'd like to just you know, see hear your thoughts. Hear someone a fresh take. Someone's with fresh eyes looking at this. Who's got no idea what what this is about, and see how well did it translate? Did did it translate? Okay. For for uh, you know new viewers. Okay, so I'm gonna just lay it out there what I thought about it. Bottom line, I liked the movie. I didn't love it, but I liked it. I, even though I made this uh, bullshit-ass post about I saw it, how cinema's supposed to be made, where I put up, you know, my cell phone there. No, I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to the theaters and watched the movie. I went to no IMAX. I, I went to, yeah, I saw it because I knew it was going to be on HBO Max, and I saw the trailer like that, and I felt like, you know what? I feel like if I watch this movie at home, because I know everybody keep bragging about their 70-inch TV and their ultra-dota surround sound, stuff like that. I don't have that. I have a shitty TV, a shitty surround sound system. So I know if I watch this movie on that system, I'm going to hate this movie. So let me take my ass to the theaters, pay the big bucks, watching the IMAX. I got an IMAX theater and I watched it. And I felt like the IMAX experience was awesome. I felt like I made the right decision doing that. Because as far as like the, the imagery of this movie, this may be one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Just as far as like artistry and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this is just a beautiful movie. Every scene looks like a painting. You know, every you can just freeze frame it. And it's a poster. I'm just like, oh, man, that is awesome. Uh, And the funny thing is, like, y'all always talk about how Dune is such a, this most expansive, 
story of all time and it's got all this glossary and wikipedia pages and websites stuff like that something is going to be some kind of dense thing that i can't get into but honestly i felt the story actually kind of easy to follow you okay know? that's what i was wondering that's what yeah. i was wondering yeah i mean like i said i know they i know they spoon fed you this stuff you know which mm -hmm. i'm which i'm glad they did but no i didn't find the movie hard to follow anything like that nowhere that i feel like i was lost i understood where everything was going so i was I was fine with that, you know. So, uh, what was I expecting? I was, I understood the plot. Now, I feel like I, I knew I followed about seventy percent of the movie. You know, there was some stuff I lost, but the stuff that I didn't understand, that's when I went back to HBO Max because I did have HBO Max there, so I got a chance to watch it. And like, you watched oh, it multiple times. <laughs> I watched it about. I watched it once in the theater and twice on on HBO Max. No shit, you. Yeah, you're rolling harder than I am. <laughs> Yeah, because I wanted, I actually wanted to catch, you know, what did I miss here? What did I miss here? Because when I watched it in theaters, it was like a big thing. Like, I like, so if they hate these guys, why did they drag them all the way out to this desert planet just to kill them? Like, it didn't make any sense to me in the theaters. Mm -hmm. But I watched on mm -hmm. HBO Max, it made sense because they explained, I just missed the dialogue. They were like, the reason yeah. they did it because this hell desert planet really didn't have any outside communication. So they can kill them and just pretend like, hey, I don't know what happened to them. They just died. You know, where if they attacked him on their home planet, that would have been an act of war for everybody else. Well, it was so a I, setup. I, I got the part. Yeah, it was, all it was a setup. setup. It was yeah. all political, you know, chess is what they were doing. Right. So that was a little down. part I, I missed that I thought was a plot hole, but they actually explained it. So like, okay, cool. So that that's that part I like. Um, trying to think what else. All the actors was awesome. I mean, like I said, everybody in this movie that I liked, almost everybody, almost everybody. Uh, was actors I liked before Josh Brolin, awesome, Rebecca Ferguson, awesome, I uh, Oscar Isaac, awesome, uh, Jason Momoa is Jason Momoa in this movie, just doing Jason Momoa shit. So, I mean, you're gonna like that, but that's where the problem is. I don't know these guys' names, I just know that oh, Jason Momoa gonna do some Jason Momoa <laughs> shit, you know. I, I know his name is Johnny Utah or Hannah Montana, whatever the fuck his name is in the shit. I, I, I don't know, you know, but I, I know Jason Momoa when I see him, so I connected with these actors, not necessarily the characters. And I feel like that is the problem of the movie, as far yeah. as the, as how it translates. To I agree. Me is that, I do agree yeah, with that. So yeah, that the movie was beautiful. It was you know immersive, but it was kind of soulless and kind of passionless. And I'm not gonna say boring. It wasn't boring mm -hmm. at at most parts. Some parts I did feel like I was kind of nodding off a little bit, but it wasn't all through the movie. I feel like the most I was nodding off was like like towards the end after the siege when it. Him and his mom just walked through the desert. I was like, okay, y'all going a little bit too long with this desert shit. We, we get it, you know. But they build up to something. Um, no, I agree. And, I, I agree. The movie looked great, but it lacked, like, tension. Right. You know I mean? it, like, I wasn't I wasn't into the characters. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the movie, and I'm looking at this beautiful painting, but I don't feel like I'm in the movie. Yeah, That's that the thing. I don't feel the, like I'm the, connecting. Yeah, the dramatic like suspense that's in the books that it was kind of missing. I felt, yeah. You know. And so, like I said, you're just looking at a beautiful painting. That's what it felt like. Yeah. So that that's the problem I had with the movie. Now, like I said, that's why I said I liked it, but I didn't love it. Did I have a, a you know an issue after I paid all my money to watch the movie? No, I, I felt like I got my money's worth when I went to the movies and watched. It, I felt like I got my money's worth, so I didn't. I'm not complaining about that at all. You know. Um. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I hated the ending because I feel like it just ended. It didn't even end on like a good ending. It just stopped. Yeah. Like no the movie shit. just, just, 
like the credits roll, just like what, what, what? <laughs> you know, what the yeah, fuck going that, on? That's know? my biggest thing is they kind of chose like that's where they're gonna end it, really. Right. Like, like even I, in I Star get, Wars, we yeah. get Star Wars as a trilogy, but at least that had a big battle before everything goes to shit, you know. <laughs> Needed more than that. I'm yeah. gonna come back. Needed more frame. Yeah, the the framing were barely in this movie. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that in a second because I feel like that's going to go to a bigger part, but I'm not going to get to the because I want you to, to gush over it first and then I'm going to come circle back to Zendaya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, but that's how I feel about this movie. It was it was a it was a good time. Like I said, I, if they make a sequel, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm going to be there in again in the front row seat, opening day, watching it for the sequel, mainly because I feel like they gave me half a movie. So I need to see what, what the hell, what else happened, you know? So I need to see that much. At least, at least I'm excited to see what's happening to the next one. All the people that didn't show up and that was kind of like hinted in this movie. We know they're going to have a big part in that movie next. You know, I'm waiting to see this. But like I said, I had an interesting time. People are saying, is it the next Star Wars? Is it the next Lord of the Rings? It's not on that level. But maybe the second movie would just like blow my socks off and be like, and then I put on that level because I can't, I can't really say much about this movie because like I said, it's half a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't even pull any punches about that. But that's like so. I'm just give, Dune, yeah. Dune Part One, right at the beginning. It's it is Part right. One. Um, yeah, Part One, and 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 when you watch the movie, you kind of know. You're like, wait, that's that's it. <laughs> you know. But I'm trying to think what else could I say. But yeah, that's that's my. Rating. I'm gonna give it a rating, three point five out of five. Like I said, it, it was well worth it. I do feel like if I watched this at home, my rating would have been lower. I do feel that. And I do feel like a lot of people that are complaining about this movie saying it's boring, it's slow, it didn't keep my attention. I think those are the people that watch HBO Max. I think those are the people that don't have a 70-inch TV with the ultra dolce wide surround sound system. They are the people that watch it on their phone. You know, and just was like, yeah, this movie sucks. Of course it sucks if that's how you watch it. Contrary to popular belief, how you watch a movie will determine how much you like a movie. So, that's my thing. Uh, All right, Eli, it's your show now. Okay, well, well, damn, you saw it multiple times. So <laughs> the podcast is it. yours. Do as you yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, I only watched it the one time. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to watch it again. I'd like to see it on IMAX just to, like, yeah, get that experience. Because mm-hmm. I think it deserves it. Because, um, like you said, yes, this movie looks great. It's beautiful. It's epic. The scale is immense. Um but yeah, it was lacking a little bit of the dramatic weight that I was. That's in the that's in the book, you know. Um, and yes, it did end very abruptly. Um, I, even I was like, "That's where they're choosing to end it," you know. So I, I was like, <laughs> "That's." I was kind of like, "What? That's it?" You know, because you know me, you know, being a fan of the old movie and reading the books, I uh, I could have watched like at least another half hour. <laughs> It, right you know but i mean I felt, but like i said but that's a tough sale for people like me yeah that don't know this shit you know because it didn't this, feel two and a half like it was like two and a half hours it didn't feel it felt pretty oh uh, i felt it i oh, felt okay. it <laughs> that's i mean me. yeah, yes there were moments where it was very and that's my thing it you know this you know that and that's denny Villeneuve's style with all his movies his movies are very slow and dreary you know what i'm saying and that's how this was kind of was. It was very it's kind of somber. Oh, and I do also want to say that this is his highest grossing opening weekend of all time. Like this is well, highest yeah. grossing movie. Yeah, because he 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 has like he makes these big blockbuster type movies, but they're also kind of like avant garde too. You know, yeah, like art <laughs> art house. Yeah, but yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a, you know, a tough sell for most, especially the audience these days, you know, the Disney Marvel audiences. Um, right. We, we have ADHD, we know. So yeah, that's what it makes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that was the thing is like he, it, it, the movie looked great, but it just lacked tension. You know, um, there was a lot of stuff that was left out and I know they had to like, this, this Dune is a very expansive world and it's a lot to cram down somebody's throat if they've never, you know, if they're not familiar with it. But yeah, there were some key elements that I think that kind of, that I was looking for being a fan of the book that I was like, wow, they, cause they left out, you know, the spacing guild barely touched on that and what their purpose is. The spacing guild is the one, they're the navigators. They're the ones who take the spice and navigate space travel. Um, but, but, but know, see, that's the thing. I think if they did go through that, but like, but does that really pertain to the plot we're talking about now in this movie? Yeah. Well, it, it basically it emphasizes how important the spice is and how important Arrakis is, Dune, the planet. That but, but they without said spice. But yeah, they, they, they kind of just, yeah, they kind of just, yeah, they sort of like exposition dump, you know. Um, but yeah, without spice, everything shuts down. There's no space travel, there's no commerce, there's no trade. You know, spice is addictive. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the rich folks are addicted to it. You know, it, it, exp it like makes you live longer, expands your consciousness, you know, and you get addicted to it without it, you'll die. You know, so if they, if the spice like stops production, you know, everyone's going to die. <laughs> right. So that's how important spice is. Um, but yeah. I mean, but, but his thing, but do we, do we really have to go with a long explanation about this or do, can he just say spice important? Because. I suppose, it. yeah, you know. you know, they did show a little, they didn't show, that's the thing, the, the navigators, the Space and Guild, they're like mutants, they've been addicted to spice for so long that they look like these weird mutant alien things with big giant brains and shit, so me being a fan of the book, I'm like, oh, that I'd like to see what they look like in this new version of Dune, but we didn't get to see that, <laughs> so that, by that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a little disappointed by all the stuff that was left out. That's why I'd like to watch this again without bias. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Mentats are barely, they cut, I mean, uh, Thurfer Howlett, Howitt or whatever, he was in it, but they don't really explain what Mentats yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, see, that's the thing. When you start naming names, like, you know, Thurston Howell, I, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, Mentats are like Spock. They, I pretty much think they inspired Spock. They're like human computers. See, in this universe, there was a war against machines, and computers are now banned. So now they train people to be human computers called Mentats, and they, they're all logic, no emotion, basically inspired Spock. You know, um, Yeah, and the frame, back to the frame, and they were barely in it. They kind of, kind of fucking, uh, you know, gloss over what they are. They're this indigenous population on Arrakis. They've been dealing with, you know, invaders, you know, throughout for hundreds of years. Um, yeah, and they, they, they do mention Harkonnens, you know, being barbaric to their people and then up and leaving them and the Atreides coming in and they're supposedly going to have the Lisan al-Gaib, which is their messiah. Um, so that was in there. Um, and then, of course, the Bene Gesserits, um, Jessica. Paul's mom, she is a Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit are like a psychic nuns, kind of like Jedi, I guess. But they've been sort of uh, secretly manipulating 
the, the government for like thousands of years. They're, they have this breeding program where they're like taking all the, the, the wealthy bloodlines, all the best genes and, you know, making these, you know, powerful beings. And Paul is a part of that. Paul is part of that breeding program. Um, and so it's just a way to, it's, what's that? The first man, I think they briefly mentioned that when I watched. Yeah, well, the thing is, and I'm not going to get into the, I'm not going to totally geek out, but yes, it's this, they were trying to breed a ultimate emperor, but Paul kind of fucked him up. You know, Jessica giving birth to a son rather than a daughter, because Benny Jesuits are only supposed to give birth to daughters. Yes, that fucked everything up. So Paul was sort of this abomination in the Bene Gesserit's eyes, but he was a part of that program, you know, and it's just a way of manipulating wealth, keeping the wealth in these royal houses. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they mentioned the Missionara Protectiva, which is where they've been planting like superstitions throughout the galaxy. And that, and Paul mentioned that in there as well. Like when, they first land on Arrakis and um, and they start worshiping them and all. Yeah, like and they're like, what are you doing? The they're calling, one. yeah, they, they start yeah. calling them the, 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 the Lysian al Gaib. And they're like, that's the word in framing for Messiah. And then Paul goes, oh, so the Bene Gesserit's been planting superstitions. That's the Missionara Protectiva, where the, they've gone around the galaxy and basically gone onto all these planets and said, oh, there's a Messiah coming. And it's just, a, again, a way to control the population. Basically, it's a comment on religion being a form of control, you know. So they made up this fairy tale of this Messiah on all these planets. So whenever they land on a planet, oh, I'm the Messiah. And then the, that indigenous population will worship that. So it's a way to, you know, it's mind control, essentially, form of control. Um, and yeah, the politics, it doesn't get into that as much. As like you said, why you were unsure why the Atreides were sent to Arrakis? Well, they were sent. There was a setup because Atreides, the House Atreides, they were starting to befriend the Fremen, and they were learning the Fremen's battle techniques, and they were starting to rival the Sardaukar army, which was the Emperor's army. Those stormtrooper guys that came yeah, down, the, the blade, the blade of the Emperor, and all this. Yeah, yeah those guys on the planet. Yeah. Um, they're, they're basically a planet, a prison planet, and their uh, prisoners are being bred like these super soldiers in the, the Sardaukar. Um, so they're rivaling, the Atreides army are learning a new form of fighting from the Fremen, and that threatens the emperor. So the emperor is like, okay, this guy's army is going to best my army. We got to take him out. So it's basically an arms race. It's James Herbert commenting on the arms race, the Cold War, you know. Right. You know, the atomic race back in because yeah. this was written back. back this, 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 what I got from since we're going to start talking about symbolism and metaphors and all like that. Briefly, from what I saw from the movie, that's why I said the movie seemed like it was pretty easy to follow because basically, what it all boils down to two warring nations fighting over Jerusalem for resources. That's basically oil. what it was. Spice oil. is basically oil or gasoline, spice is oil. Jerusalem, Middle East, whatever. Yeah. And like I said, they're highly religious, they believe all this stuff like that. So that's that's what that's all it is. That's why I looked at a frame like this. And I was just like, that's easy to understand. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was going back in the sixties. It's happening now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that late, like a lot of the politics are laid out in the book about how the houses are warring against each other, and basically they were, 
you know, the emperor used the Harkonnens to take out, you know, the Atreides. So they, so he could still have the best army in the galaxy. Essentially, that's what it was. It was an arms race. Um, there was a scene that I thought would be in the book. I mean, would be in this movie. It's the dinner scene. And it really, um, because half the first half of this book is like a lot of James Bond, like espionage and spy shit. You know, it's Duke Leto trying to figure out who's the spy, who's trying to sabotage him. Because he knows there's a danger. You know, he knows he's being set up. He knows it's a trap. So he's trying to fish out, you know, who the traitor is. And at one point, everyone thinks it's his wife. It's Jessica. Um, so okay. there's this whole, like, plot line where he knows it's not Jessica, but he has to pretend he doesn't know. So that's like this. Yeah, they, they a, kind of they kind of breeze through that in the movie. Yeah, and there's yeah. a scene where Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa's character, gets drunk, and he's talking all this shit, and he and he's like talking shit about Jessica, and you know, basically implying that she's a traitor, and it's it's like this tense scene. But there's also this also this uh, dinner scene where, um, again, they they've jessica because she's a bene jesuit she knows the the weirding way and the voice and all that she knows there's a spy present at the dinner table and it uh, and and paul does too so it sort of highlights paul's developing his powers and you know again the intrigue and the danger that house atreides was in um and i thought that that would have been in this this you know (laughs) so so here's how i played out in the theater because i could feel people in the theater thinking like i said we knew there was a spy going around going around so we didn't know who everybody was guessing is that the spy is that the spy i didn't guess it i didn't guess the spy yeah. at the end until we got and then when it finally appeared uh reveal who the spy was everybody was like you hear some people in the background i knew it i knew it and the other people were like oh you know so it, that was pretty interesting too because it became like a who done it for like about 10 minutes you know the movie yeah and it was dr yui it was that doctor and and the thing is they barely touched on him you know, because he had a close relationship with Paul and he was close to the family and they don't really get into why he, he betrayed the Atreides. It was all about his wife because the Harkonnens had his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Would it work better? As a, well, see, that's the thing. See, but it was a TV series, wasn't it? They did make a, like sci-fi did a TV show. Yeah. Of, like back but, in the early 2000s. I never saw well, it though. But here's, here's the thing. Like people say that it should be worked as a TV show. You're not going to get this director working on a TV show. That's thing, like so, yeah. From of this scope, it's gonna be CW. So, would you rather have this, or would you rather have the CW? You know, you you gotta pick your poison. You know, it'll be on the the what's it called the art? What's the thing that they shoot the Mandalorian on? That that uh the that soundstage that's like circular, like virtual reality. I didn't know it had a a name. It's got a name. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, it's a new soundstage at Lucasfilm where they shoot Mandalorian on. Right, um, they just throw sand on them and action. You know, yeah. just like we don't want we don't want that. Yeah, so uh so yeah, I mean and all that just added to the tension, and that's what I'm saying. You like you said, you had a hard time connecting with the characters, so did I. They they were they're just kind of sort of bland. Um and yeah, as far as like the slow, I mean it's I wasn't bored, but there were some very somber, monotone moments. Well, almost while I was like getting ASMR, like tingles and shit. The whispering mm-hmm. and it was all that the you know the the Hans Zimmer ooh that that right. soundtrack where I was just kind of like I'm gonna start dozing off. The, the soundtrack like, grew on me. The soundtrack yeah. grew on me because they had that Scottish uh, Braveheart type sound to it, 
was the bagpipe in the novel? I don't know, but you know what? I don't know about the bagpipes, but Gertie Halleck, Josh Brolin's character, he yeah. plays this thing called the Balisset, and he's always singing songs. So there was none of that. In- <laughs> okay. Because I just thought like a, a bagpipe just popping up out of nowhere in the future in space was weird. Like a Which is weird is because I always thought like the Atreides were kind of like Spaniards. You know what I mean? They kind of right. resemble because they were bullfighting and shit. You know, right? Because he mentioned bullfighting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a bigger thing than that in the books. But so, yeah. bag are bagpipes like part of Spanish culture? I don't. I don't no, it's supposed to be Scottish culture, but it's just yeah. like I don't yeah, know I, where that came from. It's weird. I thought it was weird. Yeah, I was expecting you know Josh Brolin to be like doing flamenco shit. <laughs> you know, Olay. Yeah. Um. But of course, the ending. Yes, I had to like. That's where they're gonna end it. I thought they'd at least end with some big climactic battle. Like at least I figured they were going to like, we would see how Atreides fall and Paul and Jessica go out to the desert and at least meet the framing. But I didn't think they were going to like, that's it. Like they would meet the framing and then the movie ended. <laughs> I right. thought they'd at least like, like chill with them for a while. And at least like and then they walk one, around for a little bit and then like, they ride a, ride a, like all the cool basically ended where all the cool shit in the book starts happening, all the worm riding and the battles and shit. I thought there'd at least right. be one battle because in the, the trailer, it showed like Paul fighting the Sardaukar. I'm like, Oh, but that okay, was just maybe. one of his dreams. Was and it was just one of his here. dreams. Yeah. Um, so I thought like at least it'd end like on some climactic note, it just sort of like abruptly ended on almost like, was it even a cliffhanger? Cause they just, <laughs> right. It just, it just stopped. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Like kind of didn't know. Okay. We got two and a half hours done. It's time to go. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that scene where it did end, I was disappointed. Cause that's a, that's a very powerful scene in the book where he kills Jameis, the framing guy who challenges the, the trial by combat where he challenges right. Paul. Because Paul kills him in the book, mm-hmm. but then he cries for him. And this is okay. the thing where crying, or that scene where Stilgar spits mm-hmm. to, to at Leto, giving your moisture, your body's moisture is a is a form of honor. It's a form of respect because on Arrakis, there's no water. So mm-hmm. you have to preserve as much moisture as you can. You know, when somebody dies, they recycle all their body's moisture and recycle it into water. They, because that's how precious water is on Arrakis. So spitting is a form of respect because you're giving up your body's moisture. After Paul kills Jameis in that trial by combat, it's his first time killing somebody. And he didn't want to fight him. Um, and so he cries. Mm-hmm. And the, the framing are like, holy shit, he gives, he's giving moisture to the dead, to somebody who doesn't even know. So that's how he earns their respect, because he's giving his tears, which is his body's moisture to a okay. dead guy that he was fighting. No, none of like, that happened. In the- no, and it's a very emotional scene. And I'm, I'm like, damn, that they didn't do that in the movie. <laughs> Especially and that actually, would have been a, that actually would have been a cool ending. And yeah, this was the <laughs> ending of the movie, and they didn't have that. That right. this is, is a very an emotional moment. And that's how the frame and are like, wow, this guy's crying for this dude he killed. And in the book, that guy's Jameis's family end up like taking care of Paul, you know, because he showed his opponent respect like that, you know, who mm-hmm. t- cried, gave up his gave up water for him, you know. So that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff in the book that wasn't in the movie that I, me as a fan of the book, like, wow kind of disappointing 
but yeah, I mean, I didn't think the movie sucked. I did like it. There's a lot of stuff to like. I did like the scope. I did like the massive, epic, you know, immersive world. I thought the interpretation of the universe that was in this movie was great. You know, all the planets, Caladan and Giddy Prime looked dope. What's it, the, the Salusa Secondus, the, where the, the prison planet, where they're breeding the Sardaukar. I thought mm. that looked dope. And everything looked awesome. The score was cool. The feel, the atmosphere was cool. I liked the vehicles. You know, this was, remember, this was written back in 65, 1965. So the, the, the space race was very early, you know, so space technology wasn't really developed yet. So all those ships are kind of in the book that where they don't kind of make sense. You know, those dragonfly <laughs> ships or whatever. Yeah. The ornithopters, they look cool. Yeah. The ornithopters mm -hmm. look cool. Um, yeah. Arakeen, the, the village that they live, that city, Arakeen. Arakeen or whatever, there it's all built. It's all a bunch of pyramids because they all got to live underground because of the heat, the desert heat. I thought that was cool. The Harkonnens, I thought Vladimir Harkonnen looked cool. He's just, you know, I wish there was more of him. I thought he was like really kind of gross, you know? <laughs> right. And, and I'm glad he didn't try to make him like a sympathetic villain or try to see it from his angle. No, he's just evil. He's just evil for the sake yeah, of being evil. and he's yeah. kind of creepy. Whereas like in David Lynch movie, that guy was kind of over the top and campy. This right. guy was more creepy. You know, when he's floating, like when Leto's dying and he kind of floats over the table just eating food and shit. <laughs> like, I thought that was cool. Um, and of course, the Bene Jesuits. I thought they were that scene where they arrive and it's all mm -hmm. dark and in shadows and the, the score. And it's raining that, and yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really creepy and cool. Um, and the Gam Jabbar scene. Um, the 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 test that Paul has to he puts his hand in the box. Right. I thought that scene was great. Um, you know, that whole the fear, the litany of fear, you know, fear is the mind killer. That I thought that whole scene was probably my favorite part of the movie. One of my favorite parts because, yeah, it, it really shows Paul showing that how powerful Paul is. Again, he's got this training, the Benny Jesuit training, the weirding way. He's being trained as a mentat. He's being, you know, he knows the, the, the voice, you know, like that Jedi mind trick thing where they can tell, use the voice to. Right. I mean, like I said, we can, we can go all day talking about the, the stuff that George Lucas took away from this to make Star Wars. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, um, so that's why when he when he gets to um, Arrakis, the spice starts to manipulate his because that's what it does. The spice expands your mind and consciousness. So be, being that he's trained in the Bene Gesserit way, he knows the voice. He's being trained as a mentat, and he's already part of that breeding program. He already had all these abilities built into his DNA, and the spice amplifies it, and that's how he's be able to. You know, he starts having all those visions and then his basically third eye opens and he's able to see, you know, the 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 jihad that's coming and all that. And basically realizes that, you know, you there's no way one man can rule the world, basically. You know, that there's no such thing as a messiah, and that's kind of the point of Dune, you know. Okay. Uh, that I'm I'm glad you're saying that because I know you got some more notes, but the thing which you just said actually is very important. Man, that you're saying that turns out, spoiler alert, he may or may not be the Messiah because they're building him up to be the Messiah, which you see a lot. Like I said, for people that don't know this book and just going to this information just now, 
it basically feels like another white savior trope yeah just saying it's, it's that but you're saying it's not that so that's pretty cool now the thing is let's talk about this white savior trope a lot of people are talking about this movie is white savior it's another white savior narrative. you can't knock this movie for being a white savior trope because the white savior trope is kind of like embedded into space sci-fi and just sci-fi in general you could just throw a rock and hit any movie you're gonna get it it's in star wars hell it's in the matrix you know well, and it's interesting because back to the bene jesuits planting superstitions the the missionara protectiva that's what it, they are they're basically going around to all these planets planting these myths and legends and this this whole false thing of a messiah coming and using it to their advantage that religion is just a form of control and paul knows that so he he's also kind of using it you know in the end mm -hmm. to to his advantage you know so it's not like it's not so much he's a savior he's being just as manipulated he's part of that system and that's what the point of dune is it's not a hero especially when you read the later books this shit doesn't go well so this is not a hero's journey i mean people want to think oh this is he's luke skywalker he's he's you know Fro frodo or whatever you know what i mean he's this right. it's not a hero's tale this isn't the christ uh mythology this is more of a comment on how all that is a form of manipulation of the population. Damn, that rhymes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, th that whole thing with, with the framing and their culture and how they look up to him, Paul is using them and he knows this and he feels conflicted about it, especially in the book, because he knows that religions and messiahs, they this war this jihad that's coming it's being waged in his name and he's trying to stop it that's what he's trying to do he doesn't want this big giant war to come and being waged in his name they're going to fight they're all these people are going to die for him and he's trying to stop that so um that's kind of the point of the book is <laughs> like don't blindly follow political charismatic leaders okay <laughs> so it's actually a subversion of the white savior trope basically yeah. yeah and in the book okay. like i said they, i don't think that they're white in the book they're more like spaniards they're they're of like a darker spaniards are white yeah yeah <laughs> ask the incans <laughs> they came from you they were europeans yeah right um, well yeah i mean stillgar he's like one of my favorite characters i he was barely in it but the moments he was on scene i thought were cool that's javier Burdum or whatever his name is that mm -hmm. the, the spitting scene you know um and Kynes, Liet Kynes, his death was cool. She, they, they. Oh, was that a, was that a twin gender race swap thing? Yeah, okay, Kynes, yeah. the black woman who was the mm -hmm. the planet, the, the ecological, the, the well, environmental. She, she did mention her husband died and she took over or something, but yeah. Yeah, she's sort of like the liaison between the framing and the government. She mm -hmm. deals with whatever house that's ruling Arrakis, and to her, they're all just all invaders. You know, um, Harkonnens like, were brutal. She's seen them come and go. Yeah, yeah, and, say, yeah. and that's how, when, when the Atreides show up, she views them the same way. These are just another, more colonizers. Until that rescue scene, when they rescue the, 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 the factory, the spice factory from the worm. Mm -hmm. when, when Duke Leto's like, forget the spice, just save the men. And she actually right. just, it cuts to her like, wow, this guy gives a shit about the people. Right, because everybody else would have been like, just save the spice, screw these yeah. guys. You know, yeah. So that gets 
her respect in the book. That's, oh, Leto actually cares about the people instead of the wealth. So that earns her respect. So that's when she starts to, you know, warning, giving little warnings like, hey, you got to watch yourself because people are lining up against you, you know, but her death in the movie is dope because in right. the book yeah. she just, she just sort of wanders out and dies in the desert of her wounds. But in the book, she like summons the worm. And <laughs> right. And she's getting ready to ride it. We were like, what's she about to do? What's she about to do? <laughs> Bam, dead. Like, oh, shit, we wanted to see what she was going to do. You know? Yeah. I only worship Shai Halud. And, <laughs> and then she like, you know what? Yeah. The theater, when she started beating on the ground, the theater, you could hear the theater start like uh, thumping on the side of that chair also at the same time with her thumping. So I was like, okay. I'm like, like in a, like in a rock concert, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought her death was really cool. Um, the shields, I thought the shields that they had, those body shields right. that, that were body like shields pre, blue. Right. pre uh, lightsaber. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, Momoa being Momoa being like Duncan Idaho, he's just a warrior, and that's Momoa's perfect for that. Um, you know, and the voice, how the voice, how they portrayed the voice, Jessica mm -hmm. using the voice to kill the Harkonnens and the Thopter, you know, right. I thought that was cool. Um, and of course, the worms, <laughs> the, wor the worms were awesome. I mean, because that's, I feel like the movie. That's the main special effect the movie was, you know, hinging on. So if that didn't work, we don't have a movie. But well, I were, like that they, yeah, they it did good. look like they were like almost like tapeworms. Like it looked like a butthole. It looked like the right. Sarlacc pit. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that's what we said. Our, my, me and my friends, we called the Sarlacc pit back in the OG Return of the Jedi. Right. You know, before George Lucas fucked it all up and put a beak coming out. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. ah, ah, you know, this clucking duck beak. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we called it like a we call it a butt with teeth. That's what we. <laughs> it looked like yeah, this butt hole with, is, right. So, yeah. yeah, it looked like this butthole with spikes. You know, um, so yeah, I thought the worms were really cool. Um, yeah, it, just all those subtle. You know, being a fan of the book, there was a lot of subtle things that I thought were really cool. You know, Paul staring out across the ocean before he leaves Arrakis. You know, this is the last time it's like he's Luke see Skywalker water. looking at the twin son, but yeah, yeah, it's like this is the last time he's gonna see water like this, you know, or when they arrive on Arrakis and you see the you know the the light just shine on everybody and they can feel the heat and the spice sort of like expanding their minds already, you know, um little things like that, the hand signals heard using the sign language, you know, uh you know, yeah, all that stuff, little those little you know the minute the spice, yeah showing the spice sort of like glowing in the air and how it's affecting the effect that it's having on Paul. Like yeah, he's just slowly like, like cinnamon. Just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. And it, it's slowly, it's slowly affecting his consciousness, like throughout the movie. It's like each time he goes out there, he gets a whiff of it. It's slowly expanding his mind, you know, and it all comes to a head in that tent. When him and his ma are in that tent, and he finally right because the tent you... was filled with spice, also. And it yeah, and he finally happening. goes, "What did you do to me?" You know, that's when he has the big realization. He gets that big, huge vision of the ever expanding universe, and he sees all these possible futures. He sees the war that's coming, and his children, and all this shit. And he's like, "What?" And he knows, like, "Damn, this is all fucked up." And then he like lashes out at his mom. So that's another key scene in the book. Um, but yeah, uh, you know. Like the nature versus technology theme, you know, I like that scene where um, right before they leave Caladan, the Atreides, that, ship, that big giant ship that rises out of the water 
and you see mm. all that water displacement. And then that there's the scene of the worm coming out of the ground and how the sand rises, this ocean of sand rises. It's almost like the same shot, but they're opposites. So that whole nature oh. versus technology theme. So yeah, cinema. Oh, I, see art, you, I see you got an eye. You got an eye for you. <laughs> Real cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, just I, I, I thought the, the key elements were there. Um, but yeah, it just sort of abruptly ended. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so I want to see it again, like I said, without bias, just to go and like let go of my expectations, having read, you know, the books and stuff and just sort of take a fresh look at it. I, I, I want to see it in the, in the IMAX. And see uh, let's see what, what we got here. J- uh, yes. Uh, what's the guy? Yes. Denae Dine- Vu, Vu, whatever the Denis director's name. Vill- Villeneuve or whatever. Villeneuve whatever his name is. He pretty much said the first movie is all set up. The second movie is all action. That's what he said. Yeah. So. That's where Paul starts training with the, the framing. That's where they start riding worms and the bat. They basically he launches his attack back at the Harkonnens and it's big battles and shit, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I mean, he kind of had to do it. Cause like I said, this world is very immersive, very, you know, uh, very expansive. So you, most of the movie had to be set up. You have to explain this world. I have to explain the rules and what you can do and what you can't do and all stuff like that. Otherwise you would be lost. You, yeah. you can't just throw you in the world and just do it. Even though Star Wars, did that. Star Wars, it just, just throw you into the universe and just figure the shit out, you know, but yeah, this is good. This is evil. Yeah. Bad yeah. guys, good guys, blow shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Star, and, and Wars honest, is, Star yeah. Wars is for kids. In the end, it's always been for kids. This is a little bit. And that's more what mature. George Lucas has always been saying. It's for kids. Yeah. <laughs> so you all know. you forty year old motherfuckers, get off his nuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is more mature. This is a lot more heady. You know what I mean? Right. A lot more surreal. But at the same time, you still got the good and evil. I mean, yeah. it, all that's still there, which makes the movie easy to follow. And I'm glad that, you know, I read the books more recently instead of, because if I would have read this when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have understood it the way I did. You would have missed all this stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And now reading it, like, at this juncture in my life, I, I, I picked up on all the politics and the, you know, the overlying social commentary and what, you know, what he was trying to say. Like, this is not, this isn't Star Wars. This is not, it inspired Star Wars and inspired Star mm-hmm. Trek and all that shit and but it's not that he's, you know, James Herbert was an environmentalist. He was talking about how t- civilization is fucking up the natural world. And that's kind of what he, the reason why he wrote this book is all the politics and all the, you know, you know, these nations warring over this natural resource and how it, in the end it just fucks everything up, you know. So that's the, the point. Yeah. Uh, right, a story as old as time. So yeah. yeah. All right. So, so I, but you you got to separate on it. I think I'll go three point five as well. Like I yeah. liked it, but I, like the, I wasn't particularly yeah. blown away by it. You know. <laughs> now see, Eli, this is like the first time we've had the same rating on a movie in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Either I I love it or you hate it or you hate it and I love it. Whatever. Like this, just like <laughs> right in the middle. So. Yeah, but I am yeah. glad that people like people who aren't familiar with the story are able to follow it you know yeah that's that that makes me i i I will say i will say this this movie is not for everybody i just can't just go raving everybody just go watch it you got to be a certain type of person because you first you have to be into sci-fi and notice sci-fi tropes to even 
get into this world to begin with. If that's not your thing, if you're not in Star Wars, not in Lord of the Rings, stuff like that, I don't think that's going to get you, yeah. you know. Uh, but if you are in that, you can pick up on it because you'll see those shows. Like I said, people say that this is the greatest sci-fi movie, uh, sci-fi story ever made. One of those reasons are because almost every sci-fi story followed after that, you can kind of see yeah. it in there. So It pretty can... much influenced modern sci-fi, Star Wars, right. Star Trek. You know, so you you see those even tropes, shit that Marvel it? does, even shit that you know the oh X-Men especially and, Marvel, especially you know, Marvel, yeah, yeah, the, all the superpowers and any psychic powers and all the X Men shit, the Bene Gesserits are doing that shit, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, you know. so, so it's all there. So yeah, like I said, uh, like I said, we go move, we go move the next one. Like I said, that wraps up our our um. Our doom, but we got more show. We got more show. People stick stick around. We're going to move. <laughs> we're changing gears, but we're going to talk about more stuff. And Eli, this is also on you. So I don't know what this is, but I'll let you, I'll let you talk about it. Oh, I. F- <laughs> I know you've been going. I know you've been going. So whatever this is, you know. Okay, this is just. I just noticed this like the other day. So, um, Cannibal Corpse, death metal band, one of the one of the bigger death metal bands, more popular death metal bands. Um, yeah, their their lead singer. Uh, George Corpse Grinder Fisher, yes, aka Corpse Grinder. I guess he's being canceled or something. I guess so. On World of Warcraft, he had a character, um, and they they dropped it or something, or they erased it or deleted it because he said some bad words like 15 years ago online wow. on during some gameplay or something. So it's some homophobic uh, terms. So they're deleting his character. Um, wow. So uh, just another example of cancel culture kind of losing its mind. I mean, it was 15 years ago, man. Right. <laughs> Mob mentality. That's all it is. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. All right. So I guess it's on me. Now, we're going to move on to the video game section, even though I'm kind of cheating because it's in really video game section material, but I'm going to make it video game section material. We're talking about the Uncharted trailer. Now, okay, yeah. I am not going to post any uh any photo, any footage of the trailer because social media trips and I'll put on there. We're going to get this whole video snatched down. So I'm not going to go there. I'm going to just briefly talk about what I thought about it. Um, I liked it. I th- I'm feeling pretty good about it. I do feel like almost everybody is miscasting this. <laughs> Tom Holland's <laughs> miscast. I'm sorry. Mark Wahlberg is Victor goddamn Sullivan. Come on, man. That's. It feel like they're more or less, they're not really make. it feel like they're using this to push uh, these actors. Like this is a studio, this is an actor vehicle because they're really trying to make Tom Holland a thing. And I'm trying to save people, stop trying to make Tom Holland a thing. Yes, he's cool as Spider-Man. Anybody can play that role. All you got to be is a geeky white dude that can pull off a onesie. Boom, Spider-Man, that's it. As far as anything else he acts in, here's the thing. His voice is too squeaky. I thought he would have, you know, his nuts would have dropped by now, but no, he's still just kind of just as squeaky as he did back in, in Civil War. So I'm like, come on, man. This is, you couldn't get anybody else. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, Felt Force. That was not a good trailer. But here's the thing. But here's the thing, Jake. They got me. And the reason they got me, because almost everything in that trailer was a reference to something in the video game. So that nostalgia button started hitting me. Like I said, I played all the games like multiple times, you know. So when I see that, oh, they got that from that. Oh, they got that from that. Oh, Chloe's in this game. Oh, I remember that scene. So it's taking me back to the game. 
So even though I, I, I clearly acknowledge that everybody's been miscast in this movie, I still want to see it just because of that. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. They already made a perfect live-action Uncharted adaptation a couple years ago. And I can show that because uh and it was actually it popped up on youtube is it was free and it was like the the guy that got to play nathan uh nathan drake was nathan fillion who everybody oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah was one of the fan cast the man's anyway you know the guy from from firefly uh and his thing a lot of people think that that's where they got the uh like that's where they got the likeness of nathan drake from but actually they didn't they didn't model nathan drake after nathan fillion can you guess who they modeled after Eli? i want to see if you can guess like the original video game character. Okay. No, you see, I'm gonna see if you just try to throw a name out there. See if 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 you can guess who they modeled him after. Uh, a video game character. Yeah, I I'll tell you. I just want Chris to Redfield. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> no, not a not a no a real guy. A real guy. Okay. Oh, a real. I'm gonna tell you. I'm, I'm gonna oh. tell you. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> You think Resident Evil. No, they model Nathan Drake after Johnny Knoxville. Oh, I think yeah, you that, said that. I think you said that before. I said it like two years ago, but yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> uh, what do we got? Uh, let's I mean, see. Uh, for some, I've never played any of the games, and I thought it looked like a fine, generic version of an Indiana Jones, James Bond shit. That's what the games were. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like the so, game what the game isn't even based off indiana jones the game is uh a ripoff of tomb raider which is a ripoff of indiana jones which is a ripoff of james bond because i can i can do a whole podcast about how indiana jones and james bond got similarities but, but what is it there. is it a li- living daylights or whatever that james bond movie where they're yes, fighting living on, daylights on the plane, with the, yeah fighting so, out they're being dragged by the plane fighting on that right. cargo thing and shit yeah. so the video game so uncharted 3 stole that scene where you had to do oh, it, you okay. was fighting with a guy out there, but the movie steals that scene, so it looks like it's ripping off James Bond, but it's really ripping off the game that ripped off James Bond. But <laughs> we, we can keep going down this rabbit hole, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> That's well, all I want to say. Fast and the Furious thing, like cars driving through the air and shit, and it's got everything the kids like these days. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, at the same time, it probably is going to be just another generic, you know video game movie which for a video game movie will be one of the best video game movies ever made because most of them are even average well if you're saying sonic is the best video game movie then yeah sonic is the best (laughs) video game movie ever made i don't care what anybody says (laughs) uh but anyway let's move on past that because we're running low on time so we got i just want to briefly talk about one more thing or do i do i want to talk about that thing no, I don't want to talk about the thing. That's it. We're done. Okay. So we're going to move to the next part of the podcast. So like I said, this is comic book bullies, where we talk about the comic books, and we're just going to jump into it. And Eli, should I go first? You probably should. Okay. <laughs> let me go first then. Okay. Because you've been talking all day. I let might me have give to you... let my dog in anyways. In a little yeah. Bit, let me a give you a breather. Let <laughs> me so see. I'm going uh, to have to drop the mic for, for a second. <laughs> uh, this new Resident Evil is the best. Com- you mean video game movie. You mean video game movie. But it's not even out yet. <laughs> Video game movie. It's not even actually. We can't say that. Coming out in theaters. The, the, it's coming out like in a couple of weeks. Is it? Yeah. Oh, like we, November's twelfth or something. We or we something. will see. We will yeah. see. Because it damn sure in those old Resident Evil movies though. <laughs> that is not the best video game movie ever. Or it might be because the bar is just that low. So I don't know. Um. Anyway, we're gonna talk about the comic books, and the first book we're gonna review is uh, what are we gonna review? Trial of Magneto. Trial of Magneto. Yeah, X-Men Trial of Magneto, part three of five. And we're kind of just moving through this story right now. 
Uh, basically what's going on is that the last issue, the Avengers and the X-Men cornered Magneto. Magneto finally confessed to being uh, Scarlet Witch's murderer. But as soon as he did that, Scarlet Witch showed up at the end of the book. So like, what the hell is going on? So let's just, just jump into that. What's going on is that Scarlet Witch is there and she's kissing Vision and she just like, oh, Wanda, Wanda, what are you doing back? I'm glad that my wife is back. And she's like, wife, what are you talking about? So the thing is, they re so Wanda was reborn by the Cerebro, but the thing is, they had old files on her. So she only remembers shit from like like her early Avengers days. So all the No More Mutants and Marion Vision all like that and WandaVision and all like that, she didn't know any of that stuff. This is old Wanda. Well, young Wanda. You know. Uh, and then we got North Star beating shit out of Magneto because, cause, just because. Um, yeah, oh, then, then her kids show up. That's right. Her kids show up, you know, Billy and Tommy. She didn't recognize them. They're like, Mom! They're like, I don't know you, you know. Uh, but then that's when I think Jean Grey and Rachel Grey, they just like, you know what? We realize what happened. Let's just put her put her memory back. So, but we're going to give her just the, the high points. So they give her all the memory back, just the main stuff that, you know, fanboys remember. Like, uh, what do we got here? When she went crazy and, and almost killed the Avengers. When she went crazy and almost killed the Avengers. When she went crazy and almost killed the X-Men. So, yeah, that's all Wanda stuff right there. Uh, but then that's what happened. They get attacked by some kaiju monsters, I guess. So... That's pretty much the rest of the book. The Avengers and the X-Men team up to fight some kaiju monsters. Um, and, and then Wanda is trapped in some kind of time warp or something like that. Some, and she realized, oh, this is chaos magic. And some kind of white witch is on the other side about to fight her. So they fight and then... That's not Cloak the, and Dagger? <laughs> not Cloak and Dagger. No, because he got the black cloak. Black it's not cloak. Dazzler? <laughs> No, I, if it was, I mean, I'd buy this book twice. But then the the person with the white cloak take their mask with their, their hood off, and it turns out it's old lady Wanda. Oh shit! So yeah, I guess hmm. I, this book is getting kind of random lately. That's what <laughs> it's just like weird shit happening. Like, okay, it's supposed to be about the trial of Magneto. Why are they fighting Mothra? I don't know where that shit came from. So yeah, I want to be famous. Be famous. We are famous. Comic exactly, bullies, son. <laughs> right cbb bitch <laughs> it's tens of us <laughs> everywhere anyway uh but yeah i give this book a uh three out of five i keep going just because i want to know where it's Hold going. On, i'm gonna go, i'm gonna go close the door real quick but go for it talking. i keep talking about wanda vision but yeah uh matter of fact i'm, I'm gonna take you off and just go man hello tv viewers okay I'm back all right so yeah so i'm gonna keep following this book but i really don't care too much about what's going on in this book because the whole thing is about who killed wanda but wanda is still alive so it's like what's the point of this book but they're still gonna try magneto for whatever reason i don't yeah. know yeah so so would you say she's not dead and he's still on trial for murder well okay so <laughs> she is dead but she's not dead fuck it okay uh yeah <laughs> what, what book you got next I'll do this Phoenix, Phoenix song, Echo, number one. Cool. Okay. And, yeah. And, uh, and uh, props to uh, Native American Indigenous Heritage Month. We have a Native book in Marvel, written by a Native. <laughs> so not Brian Michael Bendis? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Jason Aaron gave the Phoenix Force to Echo. Maya Lopez. And what was that? That? event where they had to fight for the phoenix force the mortal Kombat 
Phoenix, Phoenix War or some shit. It yeah. may not be, but I forgot it already. But yeah. So Maya Lopez, aka I'm, I'm gonna call it Fight of the Phoenix. It may okay. not be that, but yeah. that's what I'm gonna call it. <laughs> yeah. So Maya Lopez, Echo, she has the Phoenix Force, so she's like ill as fuck. And the book opens and she's just like taking out like bad guys, like melting them and shit. I thought that was ill. Like no, just like in the Virginia. like page two. She's just like murking oh well damn okay yeah and he's like burning up like just just straight up just killing him and shit you know and like but then she's like damn i'm gonna like blow up the whole fucking town so she has to leave um yeah so daredevil uh well electra who is now daredevil she comes is like yo you're too powerful you got this force you gotta you know you got you're gonna you gotta learn to control her you're gonna blow up the fucking whole world so she goes to the moon and she's chilling on the moon yeah she just goes to the moon an Indian lady on the moon. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she's on the moon and she gets a text from like that brood guy, the brood professor. That one, I can't remember his name. Kid brood, king brood, whatever. Whatever. And he's like, hell, there's a signal. You got to go check out some shit on the planet because it's got your, you're the only one who can deal with it. So she goes down on back to earth and who's waiting for her? Your boy, Forge. <laughs> okay, so Forge in the book. I, I told you Forge is gonna be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Forge is waiting for her. He's like, "Yo, you, you, yo, Echo, you got the the Phoenix Force is way too powerful. You don't know what you're doing. I gotta put you in a cage, you know." So oh he, no! So they start fighting. There's a fight. She he tries to put her like in some, you know, X Men mutant trap cage and shit. And but then she busts out of it. He's like, "How dare you!" mansplain to me shit. okay so hold on so so kid brew king brew sent it to the planet but it was really like a, a trap yeah yeah okay cool and forge right. was waiting for her okay so she takes off you know and goes back to like get this let's see she goes back to literally the res like a sign that says the, the res, res. <laughs> Now, is this Marvel canon? Is the Res now Marvel canon? Is Disney going to trademark the Res? <laughs> hey, they did Wakanda, so get ready for a Res theme park. <laughs> like, are we going to have to like fucking not pay Marvel some money every time all us natives say the Res or some shit? Like, <laughs> give them a quarter. The theme park is coming. It's already in work right now. <laughs> yeah, they're going to open up they... the Re the Res theme park. They're, the they're hiring the costumers and dancers, yeah. you know. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, here, here's go some chop some wood. <laughs> here, gonna have a so, restaurant some, there, you know. Yeah, here, here's the, the the throw some tires on the on the roof of your trailer attraction. <laughs> <laughs> here's the oh. here's outhouse land. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so she basically goes back to the res and meets this dude. I can't remember his name, but she knew her grandfather and he has some abilities too. He's got some mutant abilities, but basically she goes back and, you know, he's like, he's like, yeah, you got to learn to get a hold of your power, learn how to use it, you know, come back home and basically reconnect with your traditions, reconnect with your ancestors. And, you know, we'll, we'll show you the way. And that's kind of where it ends. So she's back on the res, back at home, back with her relatives, and she's going to learn how to use the Phoenix Force, you know. So I thought that was kind of cool, like, you know, how traditional values are, va are still valuable. You know, she's going back to her roots, 
to learn how to, you know, control this power that she has. And I must say that the fact, I don't know if Jason Aaron knew what he was doing, but the fact that this Native American woman has basically the power of a god, what kind of statement that says? That's like, wow, this woman has this much power. Wait, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm glad they're going this direction, but I do think that may have been box checking what Jason Aaron was doing. Yeah, but I, that's what I'm saying. I think that's right. what his intentions were. Yes, I'm right. being, I'm, I'm checking the diversity box. Pat me on the shoulder. You know, I'm virtue signaling. But the effect that that has, because right. Native Americans don't see themselves like that ever in the media. So the fact right. that a Native woman with disabilities has mm-hmm. this much power is a strong statement. You know, because in traditional indigenous culture, women are in charge. You know, for those who don't know, the U.S. Congress was based off of the Iroquois Iroquois Confederacy, the clan mother system. The clan mothers were in charge of advising the chiefs and stuff. That's the government is based off of, you know, how native tribes ruled. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jason Aaron didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's aware of what that statement is and how yeah. inspiring that is. So I kind of thought that was cool. But you know, at the same it. time, that is good on Marvel to get actual, you know, diversity in their creative team. Not just the characters, but in the yeah. creative team. Because this is written, yeah, yeah, this is written by Rebecca Roanhorse. She's an indigenous writer. She's written novels. She's written stories in the, the, the Marvel Indigenous Voices book last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's this is coming from a native perspective so which is cool so and it and it's just showing that yeah instead of just her just going out and kicking ass and you know doing x-men shit that yes that is a native perspective of going back home going back to your relatives and you know getting in touch with your roots for for healing you know that that that's a healing factor you know what i mean you know so she'll learn how to use this power that she has so this isn't a one shot right no this is a number one it's a to be continued i don't think it's an ongoing but i think it's probably like a four or five issues so yeah i give it a four out of five i was really i thought this was cool so. cool and, and thank god black eyed peas didn't write this book so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh yeah next book i'm going to review is is this uh this is a hot topic but i'm going to review it anyway Superman, son of Kal-El, number four. But that shit didn't happen yet. <laughs> and no, it didn't. That's the thing. <laughs> like, is this the book where they make out? No, it's not. It's just yeah. a Superman book. That's all. So yeah, that shit didn't happen till like, I think like next month. But they went. But the thing was, see, I didn't even want to talk about it. But let's go ahead and address. Well, you know, they're let's address yeah, the they're elephant tr- in the room. They're, they're triggered as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the thing was, like I said, it was National Coming Out Day, which is why DC did it, because they knew news topics were going to just jump on that shit right then. Even though they knew the book wasn't going to come out for a while, they knew news topics going to jump out on it. But I wish I, I let me just finish. I'm just because I really just want to talk about the book. Let me just go ahead and address this right now. So did they do the right thing doing this or not? I mean, if you look at the sales numbers, Eli, it may have been the right thing. Nobody has given a shit what Superman did for the last 10 years. Even the movies. Or his, <laughs> you know. or his son. Or his son. Most and this is his son. Was, this know? is his, right. his son is gay. It's not. Clark is fine. Right. Clark right. is their Clark. pussy whip 
on some other planet. Yeah, he's gone. He he said fuck off. He went to some other planet. You're in charge now. Let him go in there. Yeah. And the moment his he left his son in charge, he went and made that made out with a dude. So yeah, that's that's your Superman you have going around. But here's the thing: even though it's Superman's son, Superman's son is still Superman. So that's what's going on right now. Um, well, I, I was actually going somewhere with this. Now, like I said, all of the books in this series have all jumped up in comicsology, like in the top 20 or whatever like that, even though before nobody gave a shit about any of these books now. But now people are starting to pick up these books and read these books now. Are they picking them up the shit on them? Probably. But they're still picking them up, you know. And there are also some dumbasses out there, you know, like the speculator market, you know, speculator market that killed comics industry in the 90s. Those guys are back. You know, they thinking gay Superman is going to put their son through college. You know, it's not. <laughs> But that's what they think. So, all right. But uh, let's review the book. <laughs> we also have some of the some you know folks that are totally triggered by it and pissed off and oh, this is a travesty. Um, Why don't you uh, think yes. about the children? Yeah, like really? Now you give a shit no, about children? I ain't read no gay Superman. Fuck this shit. Not my. You Superman. wouldn't read the straight oh, Superman. What difference does it make? Fuck know? this shit. I'll suck a dick before I read this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah which is to me is hilarious so it is it is hilarious i mean like i said it's like okay he's by whatever that's that is the book good that's that's all i care about is the book good because even before all this shit came out no new remember this is one of my favorite books that was going on at the time and we were wondering is he gay People and we were, saying, were wondering we actually i think you were, called it yeah Somebody, we, gabe, gabe called it gabe called it he was like that dude is gay I see it right now. <laughs> and I my felt bad because like, yeah, I got a gay cool. son and I didn't even, I didn't even fucking. You had a blind spot. You're like, you had a blind spot. You didn't see it. Because honestly, I saw it too. After Gabe said it, I saw it. I was like, mm-hmm. I well, see it. Well, I was it. thinking, I well, if, well, if, well if, if Jonathan's gay, that means Damien's gay too. And then... <laughs> <laughs> what, gay by association? What is he, is he a bad I don't know. I was like, then no. we're going to like, yeah. Then they, they you know, I don't I don't know. <laughs> oh, and I you gay. Like that's not yeah. how it works, you know. <laughs> and as much as I want to see, I, I'd probably like a, a a gay Damien. I was like, they ain't gonna do that, are they? No, so don't I, make Damien. They they made the right. I'm not gonna go there. But Damien, <laughs> Damien. <laughs> the Tim Drake, they made him gay. The one that nobody cares about. So yeah, but yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So they already got one gay Robin. We don't need two gay Robins. That's that's checking too many boxes at that point, you know. They gotta have. But they one have a. Uh, they have gay black Aqualad now. Yes. Oh, and that's the thing. Like the new Justice League, there are no. And I see why these dudes are pissed now because there's no straight white guys in the team now. Uh, <laughs> Superman, Bar, Batman, Black, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. You know, uh, Green Lantern is a black chick. Uh, Flash is a non-binary trans. Like, check all the boxes. So, is that because- why? Is that why y'all hate Batman? <laughs> Because <laughs> right. he's white still. Well, even this black Batman. Too. It's we black know. Batman. So yeah. So like everybody's gone now. <laughs> so that's the whole Justice League now. So that's the Justice League we have. But yeah. Uh. Anyway, let's talk about this. Talk about the book. Because I want to talk about this shit after the book. But let's just talk about the book. And that's the thing. You can't talk about the book because they dropped that shit now. So it's always in the back of your head. You know. Is this when they make out? Is this when they make out? You know, in the middle of him fighting a dude, you know. Because that's what but, I was wondering. Right. <laughs> like, he just fight, like, okay, I'm done fighting you, dude. I got to go make out with this are they dude. Gonna, are they going to make out in front of this fiery inferno? Because that's, that, that'd be that's pretty, pretty high. Badass. Like, in, in the sky, you know, like. Flaming? Oh, shit. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, canceled. Now, now we're both canceled. Okay. <laughs> put, us, put us on the list with uh, Cannibal Corpse or whatever, you know. 
All right. So <laughs> anyway, boom, Superman. Uh, now, for those who don't know what, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. That's cool. That's a new layout. What's that? Oh, you could do anyway. Oh, we can be yeah. Like, that is cool. Picture in picture, yeah. Look picture at that. P P I P. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna leave the P I P up anyway. Oh, <laughs> um, what are we talking about anyway? The the main book of the book, uh, besides Superman making out with dudes, uh, the Kent Farm got destroyed. <laughs> That's the main point of the book. So anyway, they're having dinner and they just realize that uh they're trying to have dinner, but the thing is is that they're trying to keep the calm face because Superman just left the planet, Clark. Clark left the planet. He's gone. And according to the future timeline, he's not coming back. So they're having dinner with the kids, the grandparents, stuff like that. And they're having dinner with his friend, quotation marks, friend. Like I said, issue five hasn't happened yet. You know, mm-hmm. but I feel like I feel like his grandparents know. I feel like they just know. You know, yeah, I think they know before he does. because It's grand. It's, it's a grandparents. What you expect? And you, you know what? Do. You kind of do. You kind of get that feeling. I, you you know, get so that. From experience, yes. You kind of, you know. Yeah. I think they know before he knows. But you know yeah. what? I, I just like, I'm going to call them Big John, Little John. I'm talking about like. Pa, <laughs> like not, in Halloween? The new not in Halloween. Not, I didn't mean it like Halloween. I mean, because you got Park. <laughs> Damn. I didn't. I just not made that connection. I think that was in the back of my head and didn't realize it. <laughs> But I was talking about Jonathan Kent and Jonathan Kent. I was talking about like Paul Kent, his name is Jonathan, and and Superboy, Superman, whatever Jonathan Kent, Big John Lejohn. Because you know, in families, you always got the granddad is Big John, grandson Lejohn. Anyway, go past that. Uh, his super John super senses can sense that the house is about to blow up, so he uses super speed to grab the grandparents, get him out of there. But and he tries to grab Jay, you know, his quotation friend, but he can't grab him. So he was like, oh, the reason I can't grab him is because he's got superpowers. So let's just leave him here. I, hopefully he'll be okay. Uh, so he gets the Kent side of He gets Mom Paul Kent out of there. Uh, the house blows up. The Kent farm blows up again, you know. Uh, and he checks to make sure they all find stuff like that. He said, uh-oh. And you realize that I got to stop him before they come. And who is he talking about? The Justice League. Because the first thing, Hippolyta shows up and she's ready to beat some ass. Uh, Hippolyta, oh, is that who that was? Yeah, that's I thought, that was Wonder Woman. I thought that was Diane. Well, it is Wonder Woman, but not Wonder Woman. You know, what do I okay. Know? Yeah, uh, let me get a quick, uh, not quick, <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick brief of what this Yeah, is. you're just all with the the the, the innuendos. Tonight. Yeah, just subliminal, just Freudian slips just coming just left and right tonight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got Hippolyta, who is Wonder Woman's mother, but technically she's Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman has also left the planet. Everybody's just leaving. Everybody's just, just fuck, fuck Earth. I'm just leaving. You know, uh, but uh, she's here. She's ready to beat whoever this chick's at. Oh, this is fault line, fault line from the last book. And Hippolyta is saying, "You fucked about hurting the, the Kent uh, Kent Farm." Fault line punches her away, and that's when the Flash shows up, and the Flash is about to rush at her, and that's when Jonathan's like, "I got to stop Flash before he get there." So he beats Flash over there. So we don't. How fast is Jonathan? We don't know. He stops before he get there, and Flash didn't even see him. He's like, "Where the hell you come from?" You know, he like, "Don't touch her." Because she's not a threat. She's like, she just smacked Wonder Woman. Well, like, oh, yeah, she's not a deliberate threat, you know. And then the other Justice League members show up. He's like, no, nah, she's cool. She's not a threat. Uh, she was a prisoner of Star Last. Somebody, she got loose. What happened? She basically said, somebody kidnapped me and brought me here, dropped me out of a, pl- a plane, and dropped me on your grandparents' farm. I'm like, okay. So, and, and Hippolyta basically saying, as long as I'm under your protection, nothing will happen to you. So, there you go. So, he drove. So, um, and the kids, they just like, oh, hey, 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 uh, hey, Hal, how you doing? Like, they just, just know him. 
you know, not any big deal. Like, eh, we'll fix the house. We're going to stay at the neighbors. We'll be all right. Uh, be good, John. You know, and they wave at, you know, John's friend. And like, nowhere when the house, we'll rebuild a house. You come over there again, basically, you know. So, and then in a flash, I say, hey, hey, let me talk to you for a second. Uh, by the way, my name's Wally. We never met before. Like, the other flash, you know, was the other guy. You're like, why are you telling me my name? Because you're not the only guy that stepped in the role of somebody else, of a, another superhero. I'm a legacy character too, just like you are. So if in case you need somebody, uh, some advice with it like that, hit me up, let me know. And plus it's fun to have a guy that you can talk to in super speed, you know, like him and Clark used to do all the time. So the Justice League leave and Jonathan and, you know, Jay asked Jonathan, are you okay? He was, And Jonathan like, no, I'm not okay. Because the Kent farm is his house also. Like he grew up at that house, you know, it, it's your grandparents' house. You're going to have a sentimental value if something happens to it, you know. So if anything, he felt it more than than the Kents did, you know. So anyway, speed past that. He knows what's going on. There are more uh, post humans in that plant in that country of Gomorrah, and they have news. And he decided to go there. He decides to go and meet the president of Gomorrah, which is Bendix, President Bendix. And he's just like, "Look, I know what you did." He like, nah, everybody that you uh free, those guys are criminals. They weren't refugees, they were criminals. He like, oh yeah, you're lying. And the reason I know that because I can feel your heartbeat. Now, even though that you're good, so I can tell that you halfway believe the bullshit you're telling me. But anyway, I got what I answer I need. Goodbye, Mr. President. He leaves, and as he says, do it. And then that's when he meets that flaming guy again. But it turns out it's not flames, it's like it's like solar energy because it charges up Jonathan so much. That he overloads himself so he flies out x-ray visions out of control heat visions out of control and his superheroes out of control and he hears everything because bendix supercharged them up so yep that's the book so like i said i like it still digging it he didn't make it out with anybody but it's in the back of my head that i thought he was you know especially when the, you know his pa- grandparents house burned down you're like i just want to feel good you know but they didn't do that didn't go there you know <laughs> the monsters ball shit right <laughs> but the next issue is happening it's gonna happen so yeah so uh yeah what, what you got uh i get uh gunslinger spawn number one okay i do want to let you know something the book technically doesn't come out till next week so well, why why do i got it now oh okay i thought you never mind <laughs> really? not... because th- i went to my comic store to get this because it wasn't on Comixology. Right, because I looked at Comixology and it's a pre-order for next week. I so heard because I... of a paper shortage or some shit. Some shit. I don't know. I don't know. So that's why I had me word. I was like, did you get your hands on this in some nefarious ways? But I'm not going <laughs> to bring that up, you know. <laughs> no, just straight up comic shop. All the okay. variant covers and all that shit. It didn't. This, it this didn't fall off the truck, did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this, I've been waiting for this book for a while. They introduced Gunslinger Spawn last year or something. When they were in it, when when Todd McFarlane did his big announcement that he's going to be expanding the Spawn universe, all these new characters and new stories. And I, I thought Gunslinger uh, Gunslinger Spawn was like from back from the nineties. Yeah, but the, the, he was getting his own book. Oh, getting his own know, book, yeah. Getting yeah, his okay. own book, and, you know. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, uh, I, you know, out of all that new shit he was doing, I was like, I'll, I'll check that out. So they finally did this, and it's okay. It's it's McFarlane writing. So oh, 
does McFarlane like actually write a script or does he just write as he's drawing? It's kind I'm of pretty sure like he, that's what he does. Yeah. I, he just... <laughs> you know, because it's got his over dramatic, you know, writing style, the darkness crept in his soul. You know, the you know, the the moon shone in the crimson sky. You know, all that really over dramatic. You think he'd be over writing. that shit by now. Yeah. yeah and there's so shit. much of it. Like every panel is just wordy and you know, but the thing, if you go back and read those '80s and '90s comics, any '80s and '90s comics, they all read like that. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Like, like, but, how did we get through this shit? You know, because we were 12 years old back then. That, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I can just look at a picture and see the moon in the sky. You don't have to tell me how dark the moon is. Sky, like, you don't have to over-explain and, you know, this shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the moon. It's a dark and stormy night. I get it. You don't have to fucking write, you know, a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I feel like I should have read the, like all these books before coming. This isn't, doesn't feel like a number one. Oh, okay. It's one of those books. Yeah. Yeah. I think I should have read Spawn Universe and King Spawn and all that other shit first. Cause this kind of just jumps me in a story where, you know, Cogliastro and some other like factions of heaven and hell are planning some shit. And then Gunslinger Spawn shows up and finds this kid whose dad is into some dark shit too. And then he fights a demon, which is cool because it's Todd McFarlane drawing action. So okay, so Todd McFarlane did draw this. I thought it was gonna be yeah. that Brett Booth guy again. Okay. Oh, did he draw it? Or let's see. No, it is Brett is Booth. He... Yeah, because yeah, always somebody like McFarlane drawing it, Script but not McFarlane. Plot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Todd McFarlane did not write or draw any of it. No. Oh, so it's Red banned Booth. on. Yeah, okay. But it does have that McFarlane feel, like you said. And the action is cool. Like him fighting this demon and shooting it. And yeah, um, it's about it to be continued after. And then there's like some short stories that are okay, like flashbacks of him back in like the 1800s dealing with lynching and then bounty hunters and. A story about how his weapons are all magic and shit, and how they can kill angels and shit, and you know, um, yeah, just old western stories, which are kind of cool. But the main story seems a little, I don't know, convoluted because I don't know what's just because I don't know what's happening. I haven't read a Spawn book in a while, so it was three out of five. Of course, the art is dope. It's Spawn. It's McFarlane. You know what he? You know what you're getting. But okay. uh, do, do me a favor. Hold the book up one more time. Just this is the, this is go. a variant. Whose is this? Is this is this is a booth cover? So okay, that's this booth. is okay. Cool. Looks pretty good. It's got okay. yeah. Cool. So okay. cool. Yeah. And some of the nice. art is some of the you know some of those battle scenes, some of this you know, this where he's fighting the angel is pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Okay. So it looks like some pretty pretty good art there. I mean, it's Brett yeah. Booth. Brett Booth is good. But he's like the guy you get when you can't get McFarlane. So, which is what this book is. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it doesn't have that pack a punch that I was hoping, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, I don't know. All right. We'll see. So, three out of five. Cool. All right. So, my last book uh, is Nubia and the Amazons, number one. Yes. Nubia finally has her own solo book. Uh, we've been asking for it. Uh, and they finally listened to us. But is this is the one really... who got a TV show first? No, that was Wonder Girl. 
that was somebody else. So, oh yeah, by the way, this is also Wonder Woman's uh, 80th anniversary. So before I do this, I'm going to uh, recommend five Wonder Woman graphic novels. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but let's just jump into this. What do we got here? So let, first off, let's look at this cover. Ooh, wait, boom. There we go. Cover's awesome. The the afro just flowing all over where stuff. Oh, like is that, that what that is? Oh yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Then she got like the cloth on the back like this. So I'm like the, the cover. So that's like honestly, that's probably one of my favorite covers of the year. You know. Uh, but let's just jump into the story. Is the story any good? That's the main thing. And then keep in mind, this is Nubia and the Amazons issue one of six. It's a mini series that is bleeding into Trial of the Amazons. So let's jump into it. So we're in Themyscira. This is like centuries ago. And coming out of the water of the Will of Souls, you got a naked-ass Nubia. So she's coming out the water. Uh, and what the Well of Souls is, is that, and this woman named Magala, she's basically saying with the, she's the keeper of the Well of Souls. Any woman that fall that dies from violence to man is reborn in Themyscira. So that's what happens. Uh, but the moment that happened, she, uh, as soon as Nubia came out of there, the web, well, well of souls closed up. And for centuries, no woman that died from violence was allowed, allowed to come to Themyscira. So that was it. So they're like, that sucks. Uh, centuries later, we have Nubia waking up. And, you know, somebody's in her bed, you know, back to Nubia. So you get what's going on. Anyway. She gets on her Amazon dress and stuff like that, her Amazon garb, you know, because uh, for those who haven't been keeping up, Nubia is the queen of the Amazons now. Like I said, with the last book, Diana is off in space doing some space shit. Hippolyta is now the Justice League Wonder Woman. So now Nubia has taken Hippolyta's place. Who's taking Diana's place? So I also like the design of it right there. You know how she's missing the left breast or the right breast because that's what Amazons did. Uh, they actually cut off their right breasts to make them better archers or some shit, you know. So the the missing breastplate is is dignity of that. I did not look at that closely to notice that. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. Look it up anyway. Going on past that, what we have here is that they have just realized that the Well of Souls has reopened up after centuries. So since the Well of Souls have opened up, that means they have new Amazons they can have. And I'm gonna well just of cut Souls. Wrong. Where did I hear that from? I looked it up, but I couldn't find anything. So whether or not that's a thing or not, I don't know. I think know. that's from Indiana Jones, isn't it? Where the snakes were at? Where they found what? the ark? The ark? Okay. I'll look Maybe. it up. Good. I'll look it up. Okay. All right. So anyway, he, she's meeting new Amazon, basically saying you're going to have trials. We've got to find out what your new job is going to be here on Amazon Island, on Themyscira, you know, and go from there. So, yeah. And I'm going to just cut all the way to the end. Basically, what happens is they train the Amazons. The Amazons have dinner. They all get names, stuff like that. I do like this panel. This panel is pretty cool. Uh, she's welcoming them there. And they basically get, they name themselves. I'm Dramana. I'm Xena. I'm Delphine. I'm whatever. You know, all the stuff like that. And, but here's the thing. The thing is, is that they need somebody to guard the gates of hell. Because that's what the Amazons do. It's always one Amazon at the gates of hell so they're going to get one of these new ones and have them there but they don't know which one they're going to be you know uh and while they're doing it so sophia i think sophia is her name she has a dream of what's going to happen and her dream is basically all hell breaking loose and is coming back um yeah basically like ragnarok or whatever the greeks call it they should but and the gates of hell open up you know so that's the book so yeah this book kind of sucked yeah yeah that's <laughs> sounded that's like it. you were all into it too I, I was into the cover i was into the concept 
the the idea of Nubia. But reading this book sucked. Now, here's the thing. Now, you know, last year when we re read Future State and they had Nubia in those books and she was doing all this, doing all that. I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. But this is a completely different writer from the last year of the Nubia books then. And this writer is just writing some some boring shit, man. I'm just like, I'm not interested in this. And honestly, I don't even feel like this is a Nubia book. I just feel like this is just a complete setup book for another book. It's just Nubia is in it sometimes. So I still feel like DC is screwing us over. They still didn't give us the book that we needed. So that's that's all I got. So I'm done. Uh, overall book, uh, three out of five. Cool cover. but Okay, yeah. well, The Well of Souls is from Raiders of Lost Ark. It's got to be from somewhere else because well, well, they had to get it from somewhere else. It's the snake, the where the snakes were. Well, yeah, it's somewhere. I guess where the ark was buried, where he finds the ark. Yeah, because I, I tried to look that up. Like, is the well of souls a thing? But I couldn't find anything. But if you said uh, raise large ark, okay, cool. So, all right. So yeah, uh, what you got? I'm booked out. Really? That was mm -hmm. it. Oh, so there you really were booked out. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I mean, I read uh, Nightwing, but that's like Fear State shit that I don't give a shit, or Future State, or whatever the fucking state. Is yeah, I, I dropped off on I, that shit. I don't give I a shit. You know. Yeah. So, All right, well, cool. Yeah, like I said, if you listen this long, definitely like, share, subscribe. Like I said, we have other park. Uh, we have other podcasts on the Outright Geek Network. We have uh, this Geeks and Comics. We have Okay Boomer, and we I think that's it. Yeah, that's exactly. that's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, and Get Valiant may or may not come back, but I don't even think they even associate with Outright Geek. I think they just do their own thing. But I still plug them. Shout out to Gil Valiant. So, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, next week. I don't know if anything's going to happen next week. But uh, we'll find something, something. Well, technically, it won't be. Because it will be Halloween. But when we start recording, it'll be November 1st. And you know how that works. The moment You know what? I might, be, I might be doing something that night. So, we might have to record Monday anyway. So, okay. just, just we, a heads we, up. We'll play it by ear. We'll play it by ear. But the moment November hits, we completely forget about October and it's immediately Christmas season now. So, <laughs> yeah. So until then, this is Leroy. This is Eli. We'll talk to you guys next week. Same bullet time, same bullet channel.